Hello and welcome to episode 1189 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, June 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, I almost said Friday. How's it going? Yeah, well, we usually record on Friday, but... Um, I appreciate you accommodating me, by the way. I'll be out of town. A little road yeah. trip this weekend. I don't know if I'll be in the mood to record tomorrow anyways, considering I'm getting oral surgery in like four hours, so... Um, it probably worked out for the best in that in that case. I hope that things aren't too bad anytime you get in mouth surgery. That is uh, a potential for for some trouble there. But uh, hopefully, well, and then you you also can't you know be taking any painkillers or anything either. No, so yeah, unfortunately, you're gonna have to fight through it. But hopefully, it's not too tough on you. And when in doubt, you can just kind of maybe look at your auction championship team, which is doing Ooh, very well. So it is. We're not gonna jinx or anything. We're just saying, hey. You're doing well, and that's wonderful. Like, uh, we like we weren't just jinxing it like a, two minutes ago. Like. <laughs> that was offline. That was offline. <laughs> we were doing we were doing pre victory laps for you about how mm-hmm. excited your, your your team's doing very well though. It's it's awesome. So, uh, but we do have a lot to talk about. Um, we got some news. We got some struggling aces to check in on, man. And they, there's some there's some big questions here, at least about sitting, Justin. I doubt you're gonna be cutting any of the four that we're gonna talk about, but man. I don't know how you're starting them, and you got some tough two-start decisions with those guys. We'll get into those. A couple rookie gems popped off yesterday. Want to see where you're at with them. We'll do another three up, three down. And with the weekend, with the week 13 two-starts, I highlighted a group of eight that I want to go over, actually nine, um, including a guy that you get another chance at. We'll get to him in a moment. Oh, we'll get to him later because of the, the weather. Bane, the bane of my existence. <laughs> Only because you never play him. But we'll, you get yet another chance here. But let's start with the news. Gavin Williams comes up for Cleveland. Big-time p- pitching prospect. I know uh, that sounds like we've said that a lot about Cleveland. It's been true every time. Logan Allen, Tanner Bybee, and now Gavin Williams is up. Rough debut in, in the best landing spot you can get, which is definitely a bummer. Do you think Gavin Williams is... Uh, relatively modest output against Oakland. Four runs, four strikeouts, three walks, and five and two-thirds. No win, despite them winning the game late. Do you think that will tamp down the Gavin Williams bids this weekend? No. I, I mean, I if if people are smart, they'll still spend a, a lot of money because, I mean, this is, I think, the top pitching prospect left. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people that have a lot of money – there's a good chance that a decent group of them were waiting for Gavin Williams. Like I know that there were specific people in our community that that we talk to regularly that say, "Oh yeah, I've got, you know, 250 plus earmarked for Gavin Williams." Um, do you think he's worth that kind of big time bid? I mean, put aside the start yesterday, we don't have to overreact to one start even against Oakland. Do you think Gavin Williams is worth that kind of premier money? Um, and and the Guardians are going to commit to the three rookies the rest of the way. Um, I think he could be, it's, it's, it's always hard to tell, you know, I mean, one of the things that we've seen a little bit from him this year in AAA is some struggle with walks. I and mean, we, we saw that, you know, a little bit yesterday as well, but we also know there's a ton of upside here. He pitches on a team that it, they should be good. Uh, they haven't been as good as we've kind of expected them to be, but the pitching has been good. Yeah. Well, actually, Interestingly enough, yeah, the the hitting is is getting better. It's actually been, I'm kind of surprised at some of their starter ranks. They're not as good as I would have thought with uh with, with their starters as far as like ERA, WHIP, and the and the uh, strikeouts, walks, hits, hit rates. The bullpen's actually been better. But you know, um, Bybee definitely has come up and and panned out. Let me ask you this, and then Allen has too. 
How much do you think their success influences the confidence folks might have in Gavin Williams? Do you think people are just assessing him uh, on his own? Or do you think that the, the previous success of some of these guys makes people say, you know what? I'm going to give Gavin Williams an extra go because I'm really believing in what Cleveland can do. I mean, I definitely think that plays into it. You know, when, you know, certain organizations get uh, bumps up or bumps down just because of the or organization, right? So, yep. uh, you know, we see this with um, <clears throat> the race, right? The race. Everybody do anything. You, yep. Yeah. The Dodgers, like, you know, like mm -hmm. they can do anything and we're going to all of a sudden, like, you know, it's a little bit of confirmation bias or appeal to authority. Sure. Um, and it's but, probably unfair, but at the same time, like the eh, track record is so good. Yeah. It's legit with those two teams, especially the Rays and the Dodgers but, and Cleveland with the pitching. We've had ones in the past where like we would like, who was the pitching coach for Pittsburgh that like everybody like for a long time. Ray Searage. Yeah, like where everybody was always like, well, you know, like it's Pittsburgh. They know Dur pitching. And during then all the sinker sudden, revolution. And then all of a sudden, like nobody trusted Pittsburgh. Like the league was, like flipped on them and their two seam sinker model was no longer in vogue. And there was a hard shift on them. You're 100% right. We went full 180 to where we were saying, get Searage out of there. I don't want any Pittsburgh pitchers right now, even with the good mm -hmm. park. After they went through a run where it's like, oh, Searage is going to get a hold of him. Well, he's going to add a two-seamer and become good. So that's a that's a good point. Right now, though, Cleveland is definitely at the, the peak of their powers in terms of pitcher development, where it's like, hey, they've got somebody, sign me up. And Henry brings up a great point with Miami. Mm -hmm. uh, their pitching is that for him as well. Totally agree. Uh, not only a great park, but the way they've developed their pitching and the young guys that they've brought up has been excellent. Uh, so let's spin it forward with Gavin Williams because he started yesterday. He does line up for a two-step next week at KC, at the Cubs. How much does that two-start setup impact your, your bid? Does it raise it uh, a little? Does it raise it a significant amount? What does what a two-start right out of the gate do for you with Gavin Williams' bids? Um, I think it's got to raise it a little bit. I mean, Casey has been one of the worst teams in baseball, if not the worst team in baseball so this bad. year. Um, and things don't seem to be getting better anytime soon there. So, uh, And the Cubs have just not been the team that they were earlier on in the season. So uh, I think it definitely – I mean, if you were going to spend money on a two-step starter this week, you probably just fold that into whatever you were already going to bid on Gavin Williams uh, yeah. when he came up. So uh, I, I expect him to go for a lot, which means I won't get him on any teams. <laughs> Same. Uh, <laughs> I'm broke. I'm, so, a, I'm broke as hell, so I will not the, be the having o, The Gavin only place Williams. I have a little bit of money is in that auction championship uh, uh, on that auction championship team where I'm third place overall. Um, and I will continue to mention that uh, throughout the podcast. <laughs> Because uh, I'm super excited, uh, but uh, even there, like I can't, I can't rationalize spending like 50% of my remaining fat, especially if I want to be competitive in that. Um, in that overall, like I feel like I exactly. want to have a good hundred bucks, you know, the last six weeks of the season, and so mm -hmm. maybe I spend triple digits. I have to really look at like. Okay, what is my pitching needs and stuff there? But uh, I, I can't, I can't rationalize going over maybe a hundred, hundred and twenty bucks, something like that. 
Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And then we, we've talked about this uh, on the last few big bids of like, are people running out of money? And yeah. the bids have to come down because people simply don't have the big triple digit outlays to to drop there. And we'll see with Gavin Williams. It is interesting that, you know, it was a meager, relatively meager outing against Oakland. And I, I don't think it's going to tamp down the bids to a crazy level, but there'll be a, there'll be a league here and there, right? There always yeah. is with these bids. Um, some league's going to get them for like $42 because everyone's like, ah, he wasn't that good against Oakland. Nobody this has is a money. good time to make sure you're putting in just like, just a bit, like even yep. if, you know, cause there, there could even be a league where he goes for like, 15 20 bucks because yep. nobody has money um and uh when and you know maybe the people that do have you know offensive needs and not not pitching needs so and you can't get lucky if you don't put in yeah, right so absolutely. at least throw something in there uh geo Urshel is going to be out for the year not you know like the biggest fantasy impact guy but definitely a deep league type type of player al only 15 plus teamers uh, one of those, you know, solid glue guys that good batting average was hitting 299 this year. Only two homers, three steals in 62 games. So again, not uh, tearing the cover off the ball there. But 22 runs, 24 ribbies. So it's definitely a loss in those deeper formats, and it is a loss for the Angels for sure. Uh, obviously, an easy cut being out for the year. Are you interested in like Luis Renjifo or Jared Walsh, where available in some of those deeper formats with Urshela out for the year? Uh, I mean, I think Renjifo is probably the guy um, moving forward, especially with Anthony Rendon on the IL as well. Um, That's true. So it actually opens up both Renjifo and Walsh right now with uh, with Rendon out. Both can play the corners. Yeah. So, I mean, Walsh will still uh, platoon. Platoon, yeah. Kevin so, Padlow is up playing against righty against lefties, excuse me, uh, at first base. But Renhifo might be free and clear for a, a starters role. Yeah, I mean the guy that I'm keeping an eye on if I'm in like an AL only league and really in like 15 team mix, I'm not necessarily picking him up yet. Uh, though maybe in AL only I, I might it is uh, Michael Stefanik. Uh, okay. These guys had a little bit of heat in the past as you know maybe a little scrappy player can do a little bit of everything. Um, and while Renhifo, I think, is probably the better bet and probably the better player, uh, the Angels have never really committed to Renhifo as, like, the full-time guy. They really like him as a super utility player, and I don't know that they want to give him full-time at bats at one spot. So, uh, especially with Rendon out and Walsh needing to tune, maybe Renhifo is continues to be that kind of super utility guy and Stefanik uh, gets some more playing time. So in your deeper leagues where there is nobody, there is no Renhifo on the waiver wire. Maybe Stefanik's the guy you want to go with. Michael Stefanik. Uh, I like that call out there. And I agree with you on Renhifo. They've never really fully committed to him except in uh, down the stretch last year when they had to because of injury. And Literally credit, nobody left. Yeah, yeah he was pretty good during that, but mm -hmm. you're still looking at a sub-300 OBP that season, uh, 294 last year, and that's where Renjifo's at this year too, but only with a 209 average and a 299 slug, whereas he hit 264 with a 429 slug last year. So Urshela, easy cut, Renjifo, Walsh, Stefanik in leagues of a particular depth. Kenta Maeda is going to be back on Friday. Louis Varland optioned out. You know, uh, I think there's a world where Louis Varland could have saved his his job with some strong success, but it just wasn't there. You know, I've been kind of comparing him to like an early 
Bailey Ober situation where the the skills are there, but the home runs are too much. And that's exactly what happened. 2.3 home run rate, saddled him with a 530 ERA. So I totally get it. I do like Varland. I, I think we should be interested if there's another opening. And there will be at some point this year because that's yeah. just the nature of pitching. And but that I do think rotation a, is injury prone as hell. Like I mean, Exactly. It's a great rotation, but all of them have had issues across. Well, except for, uh, I don't think Joe Ryan has had Yeah, major but issues. I mean, everybody but else has had Maeda, Lopez, Ober, Gray. They've all had so keep Varland in your mind. I do think he's a cut pretty much everywhere except maybe like an AL only if you can if you can hold a reserve. Um, what do you think of Maeda though? He's not the Kenta Maeda of old. You know he's been dealing with a ton of injuries. He's thirty five now. Are you in on Kenta Maeda back Friday? Uh, do you think he's worth a pickup? No, I mean I. I, I can mean, you I do can't... anything to to get on your radar for that? Then what what, mean, what could he do Friday if, that would be if, like oh. I'm interested if he pitches actual innings, like he goes five plus um, and their strikeouts and, you know, he isn't walking a bunch of people uh, then. Yeah. I mean, I'll be interested, especially in 15 team mixed where you like, there is nobody on the waiver wire. Like there's just nobody. Like, it, well, outside of like prospect of the week, it's usually yeah. that. And then trash. Yeah. Like I, 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 I can't remember what I was talking about it here, talking about it uh, on friends, fantasy benefits, but um like I, I was like seriously like debating like oh do I just hold on to Trevor Williams for another week which I had he pitched well um, but uh, you know like there's just not a lot there uh, I just don't trust um, Kenta Maeda to stay Maeda. healthy yeah so I think I that's think the that, fairest yeah. that's the fairest take like. It's really so, difficult to trust him. He's 98% at the main event, which kind of surprised me. I, I, I wasn't sure he'd be quite that high. So rostered pretty heavily. Yeah, well, it goes to the point know. you just made. Yeah. yeah. The point you just made, there's nobody available. Might as well it's stash like, Kenta Maeda. Yeah, my stash in Kenta Maeda or am I picking up Patrick Corbin this week? Like Exactly. You know, no, that, that's that's a good call. That's a good call. Um, so Going back to Varland, though, real quick. Yes, go ahead. Um, I would like to say that I was right. Uh, but I also want to say that I don't know that I am dropping him yet. Um, we seen Kenta Maeda like come back from the IL and then like get injured right away. And so I think I would wait at least a week before dropping Varland. If you were a believer, you should still be a believer. Nothing has really changed in the profile. My biggest issue with, I think, some of the hype around him is everybody got really excited over the velo boost because the stuff is really good with that added velo. The problem is he hasn't been able to command it. And uh, this is something I don't think we talk enough about in terms of fantasy because we all get really excited when someone adds velocity. But when a guy adds velocity and then can't command his pitches, that becomes a real problem. Uh, I hope he figures it out because, the, like like you've mentioned, the stuff is really good. But uh, I do worry that maybe that was a bad thing for him in some way. Uh, because he has not been able to command. He's given up way too many home runs, can't place things in the zone very well uh, at times. So, um, But if you were a believer in Varland yesterday or two days ago, then you should still be a believer in Varland today. Like, Don't let the fact that he got sent down be the reason, because he should be right back up when Kintamaeda or one of these other guys gets hurt. Yeah, I think I think that's a good call there. Um, if you can hold Varlin, I'm open to that too because I was a big Varlin believer. So if the anti-Varlin guy is saying maybe hang on to him, I, I think that has some merit. I would try to, but I understand a cut. Yeah, in, I do too. In 
mixed leagues where you where you need the the spot. We talk about NFBC a lot with limited reserves, no ILs. Of course, he's not going on the IL; he's going to the minors. So if you don't have that NA spot that I think like uh, Yahoo uses that could be used for a minor leaguer, you might have to cut Varland. I hear you on maybe try to hold. It could be also an interesting spot for people that um, where he is cut because Varland will be cut in a lot of spots to then jump on Varland next week for their stash mm-hmm. if, if you need pitching because I, I do think he can definitely be better than this. Just got to reel in the homers, which is easier said than done. Admittedly. Look, I have I have, uh, I brought up my my Ox championship, which is in third place overall uh, free agency <laughs> list. Uh, only to kind of check like how much uh, fab uh, other teams have in that league. Mm-hmm. But let's do a would you rather with pitchers that are still available in that okay. league. Versus Varland? Uh, versus Varland. So Varland versus Tyler Anderson. Would you like hold Varland. Yeah, okay. So would you rather have Var, uh, Stash Varland or or pick up Wade Miley? I'd probably pick up Wade Miley in that case. Yes, I think that's, I think that's I, right. I, I kind of have uh, some like for him. I mean, he gets Cleveland tomorrow. If you're in a daily leagues, so you could pick him up for Cleveland tomorrow. And then the Mets next weekend in City, which I don't hate. But I mean, here's where you start to getting to the like guys where it's like I don't think it's that much of a question. Like Varland or Zach Granke, Varland or Kyle Freeland, Varland or Tommy Henry, Varley. Yeah, or you're dead right. Ryan That's Nel- Varland, Ryan Nelson. Like those are all Varland. If you're in a 15 team mix and like your waiver wire is as sparse as like it is for a lot of us, mm-hmm. um then you might as well just hold on to a guy like Varland as opposed to let him go. If you're in a 10 or 12 team, yeah, you drop him and you move You, you can move him, yeah. But, but I, I I think it's a great call out in 15s and better and deeper rather, not better. Um, hold Varland where you can unless there's that gem. And, or, you know, Gavin Williams, of course, would be a perfectly uh, fine cut there. But other than that, I agree. Try to hold Varland. Does have upside and get some home run favorability in the summer, he could he could be a nice guy because there will be an opening. Uh, Nathan Ivaldi, Velo was down two miles an hour last time out, and that's going to be worrisome for anybody. In fact, that's about the one and a half to two miles is where you really start to care. If you see a guy down a mile um, in a start, that doesn't really move the needle. You start to get, in, like I said, that upper one point something into two miles an hour. That is when we start to say, Hey, what's going on here? Now it's one start. It can be a blip. The history with Var uh, with uh, Ivaldi, excuse me, is such that the first sign of trouble is worrisome. He still put up six innings, four runs, which is not a, a great outing or or even a quality start, but it's not a nightmare either. How concerned are you with Ivaldi having a modest start, but also more importantly, the velo dip? I mean, you have to be concerned because what makes him so good is that velocity. Um, and but and he has been one of the most injured pitchers over the course of the last five six years, uh, and often like, hell his mentioned. entire career. Yeah, so his say. whole career. Um, but and often like the big warning sign, like you said, is like this huge velocity drop. We've already seen him have one of these though this year, and everybody freaked out. And you know there were articles saying you should sell him. I wrote one of them. I know that's why there were articles. Uh, be patient for another start. Like, don't, I don't think you like run out and try to sell him right now. Cause he's been like a top 10 pitcher in fantasy this year. He's been uh, excellent. Evil. I mean, yeah. Unless yep. you're getting that kind of price return, 
like for I doubt you would right now though right like well I think you might like in in a lot of leagues where people aren't paying attention to that kind of thing you know perhaps well here's here's the counter to that though is if they're not paying attention to that are they fully aware that Eovaldi's been that good that's a fair point but like if you could get like a top I don't know 40 hitter I think you take that um, but if, if, as long, if you're not getting that, then I think you just ride with it and hope to God that the next start is, uh, you know, he's velocity's back or at least the results are good. So you can try to flip them, but, yeah. um, uh, it, it is super concerning. I just don't know what you can do with it at this point. I agree. I don't think it's actionable with Eovaldi. I think you got to keep him in the lineup, go forward. We haven't gotten any news to the negative either. He does set up for a two-step next week, both at home, Detroit and Houston. With Detroit on the docket, you love it. But even with Houston, you're not that scared because without Alvarez, they have really fallen down. So you go They're with like it. like a mid-level offense right now. Like yeah, it's it's, been... it's paltry. Yeah. It, it is paltry without him. So yeah, I, I agree. Stick stick to your guns right now with Eovaldi, um, and unless we get news to the negative. And if the two-star goes off without a hitch next week, then we're we're fine. Uh, let's talk about some struggling aces because eh, some things are going on here. And, you know, we are a week away from July, which is insane, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, it always feels like the season zips by and then the winter I'm, days feel like months. But uh, Sandy Alcantara pitched yesterday. Another another dud for him. For me, a dud is anytime five plus earned, right? Because even if you go nine, that's a five ERA. So. Once you give up five earned, it's pretty hard to salvage that. However, to Sandy's slight credit here, he gave up five in the second and still made it seven innings. So, you know, didn't kill you there by by still putting up the innings. Uh, You're still bummed about 10 hits, five runs. I don't want to pretend that this was a good outing. And if this was an isolated incident, you'd be like, oh, fine, random ace uh, struggle. He has a 508 ERA, uh, 125 whip, and 78 Ks and 95 and two thirds. What's going on with Sandy Alcantara right now? Um, I had maintained like up until yesterday that he was just getting unlucky. Um, Me too. That there was some poor use. Uh, that I knew that there was going to be regression. Like, and I mean, I I think we talked about this. Prior to the start of the season, the infield defense is bad. I think Jazz so moving bad. Jazz Chisholm out of the infield was a poor decision um, for them, and it ended up being a really poor decision because he got hurt in the outfield. Um, yeah, he could have gotten hurt a second though. He got yeah, hurt a second a bunch too. Sure, but um, he was a pretty good up the middle defender, and they now don't have any of those. Um, Arise and Wendell is their keystone combo, and we we keyed yeah. in on Wendell being like a very problematic shortstop there. And there's a However, reason why Luis Arise has been a like super utility type player in the past mm-hmm. because he's not great defensively at any position. He's bad. Uh, yeah. And then so he and then you add in the fact that they're the the the, the tightening of the shift rules. Um you know like the, there's less shifting or less extreme shifting going on and as a ground an extreme ground ball guy that's a problem. Um, that being said, for the most part, I was like, he's going to turn around. He's going to turn around. He's going to turn around. Watching the start yesterday, and, and like we texted in our like in our group chat with you, me, uh, Jason, and Eno, uh, kind of like during it. Uh, and I think there's something actually wrong. 
Um, and I don't know if it's like just the amount of innings he's pitched over the course of the last few years starting to catch up with him a little bit, or if there's an injury there, he does not look right. He cannot locate in the zone, and that is not something that we are used to seeing from Sandy Alcantara. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm definitely worried at this point. Yeah, I, I echo those sentiments right down to the fact that I was, you know, preaching to just start him, relax, like mm-hmm. let's not get too hung up. The changeup has been getting hit around, but I'm not sure that it, it's it's bad. I still, you know, the shape of it, the velo and all of that. Uh, is it just BABIP issues, which would go back to that defense? BABIP is up 31 points, by the way, on the season. And it's, it's trouble. I mean, it, it's not going well right now without Kantara. I'm still, I will admit, nowhere near a cut, even in like a 10-teamer right now. But I do wonder if there's a sit potentially in order. And I know we talk about our, you know, if you can't start him in a two-step, do you have to cut? Doesn't apply universally. I would still keep Sandy Alcantara here, but I wonder if you're down for an at Boston, at Atlanta next week. Where are you starting that with Alcantara, if anywhere? I completely understand not starting him. Um, In any mixed league? Yeah. Uh, At the same time, I personally know I I don't have Alcantara anywhere, but if I did, I would have a really hard time just not starting him because yeah, I, you know, I only have one league and he'll. He's like a second him. round pick, yeah, you, know, you know, in fifteen team leagues, you know, third round, third or fourth round pick in shallower formats, and like I just have a such a hard time saying, oh, I'm not starting a guy that I took that high. So, still uh, rocking a three seventy seven FIP to that 508 ERA for Alcantara and a 125 whip, which is not great, especially when he had an 098 last year, but 125 whip versus a 508 ERA, like that's a pretty low whip for such a high ERA. And so yeah. it seems like, you know, it's, there's, pardon me, there still seems like there's a path forward with Alcantara here, but it's like, I'm when not, is it going to change? I'm not, I'm not super worried about like the past work. I'm more worried about what we saw in this last game, which is just a guy who is way more hittable than we expect him to be. Back-to-back 10-hit um, games, in fact, and the Nats yeah. did the other one. Now, the Nats, they, we talk about all year how they don't They're strike strappy. out. So that was a, actually a pretty ugly matchup for where Alcantara is right now because they just you know dinked and doinked 10 hits through on him with just 1K. He did get 6Ks against Toronto with the 10 hits, but both were five earned run outings, and that's just, I mean, three, dude, three out of his last four for Alcantara are five earned runs, which includes Washington and Oakland. Like, that's just so rough with Alcantara right now. So, again, the hard part getting back to like, should you start him? Like, the five strikeout per nine. Yeah. Like, it really makes, like, he needs elite ratios to be like, at this point, like, how much different is he than, you know, Miles Miklas? Not a lot. Mike Miklas has been doing well start, this year at points. You're not, you're not starting Miklas in most leagues. Yeah, not with a 136 whip uh, yeah, that he's got so rocking like, right now. He's allowed the most hits in baseball, Miklas has. And so that's, yeah, I, it's just hard right now. probably shouldn't start him. I mean, and I'm, you know, like I, like I said, Boston, I Atlanta. would. I mean, I probably would because I'm an idiot, but... Um, but you're third in the auction championship. Yeah, I'm really glad I don't have him in the, the auction championship where I'm third overall currently. Man, I, you know what? I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to bench him. 
I, I I usually say like you know stick with your studs here don't don't get too discouraged, um, but I always say you know I like to give you know month and a half for uh, you know mid rounders two plus months for the early rounders and again not cutting him not cutting Sandy Alcantara. I think I'm sitting this out, especially with the Atlanta looming. And I think that's a really good point that we're now at the point of the season where where you drafted them does not matter. You should be starting your best team. You should be keeping the best players on your roster. Yep. Yep. So are are you anywhere near cutting Alcantara? Would you cut him in a 10? I I don't think I could. Okay. We're we're, we're in lockstep there then. What about Christian Javier? His his, uh, quote-unquote struggles have been a little bit more under the radar. First off, they're not like blindingly bad struggles like Alcantara where it just sticks out. In fact, you can make a case that it's not even struggling that much for Javier because he has a 325 ERA and a 112 whip. Why is he even on this list, Paul? Well, how about a 10-point drop in strikeout rate from 33% to 23%? And this guy was taken as a full-blown ace. And so, yeah, the ratios aren't bad. And because Despite Houston's issues with offense, he still has seven wins and 15 starts for Javier, so that's good. But then you kind of narrow the focus to a more recent uh, period with Javier, and that's where you start to see some of the struggles come in, where it's like, what is going on with this guy? Because uh, in two of his last three, he's allowed four earned with only five total strikeouts. So it's more of a um, recent issue with Javier as opposed to a season long, but the strikeout thing's been there kind of all year outside of a few blips where where he spiked the Ks. Early on, the Ks were low. Then he had a 10, 6, 8, 11 run for Javier, but then back down to 5, 5, 3, 5, 2, 2, 1. What's up with Christian Javier? Are you worried? I know we're not uh, cutting anywhere, probably not even sitting, but do you have any concerns right now with Christian Javier uh, for the long term? Or for the for the near term, I should say, for the next four to six weeks. I mean, his average velocity is down like a mile from last year across the board, um, and so this isn't like, hey, it's a mile in between games or something like that. It's he is down. Um, I I do wonder if he's hurt too. Like he just hasn't looked right. Doesn't get the same movement on the breaking pitches and. Um, I wonder eight, eight if, walks in those last three too. Sorry, I meant to include that eight walks with the five Ks for Javier. Yeah, I mean he left the game early last night, um, though mm-hmm. that might have just been for performance. But um, I'm a little worried he's hurt. You know, like this is a guy that has been really, really exciting for a number of years, and I think people have been waiting for the breakout. Um, and we saw it last year, uh, but he's not really gone deep into innings. Like, he doesn't have a, a great track record of that because he's been bounced between the rotation and the bullpen. So I am a little bit worried that there's an injury there. Um, yeah, it, it's concerning. Not particularly actionable, though, right? Like, are you sitting Javier at St. Louis next week? If we don't get any news that says, hey, you know, he, elbow's barking or he's going to be pushed back or anything like that. So status quo, let's, let's say that uh, throughout the weekend. Is Javier a sit anywhere at St. Louis for you? In and if so, what league type would do you think you find that sit? I don't think he is. I think I don't think so for me either. By the way, I mean I, th- I think especially against a team like St. Louis, who's just been so bad this year. Like I, I don't know how you like if if he had a matchup versus Atlanta or a matchup versus Dodgers. the Dodgers. Um, 
you know, Texas. Even, yeah, yeah, definitely Texas. Um, but even like a matchup versus Boston, like, you know, we we're just talking about with Alcantara. Um, like, I think you can make like the excuse like, oh, OK, yeah, I, I shouldn't start him because like he, you know, he's hasn't looked good recently and it's a tough matchup. But mm-hmm. even a matchup versus the Cardinals and like, and I feel like you have to roll with it. And it's in Bush, too. So I, yeah. I think you got to roll with that. The funny thing is, by the way, we're talking about these three starts with Javier. The one in between was against Washington where he threw six scoreless, five hits, but only two Ks. Again, that's part Washington, but part Javier's issues right now. So between, you know, if I was ranking these in order of uh, concern, Javier would have easily been the lowest because we're going to talk about two more guys. But I did want to bring him up because of yesterday's start paired with the fact that he's he's only had 5Ks combined in the last three starts. So he's definitely going to be the lowest concern level of these four guys for me, uh, I imagine for you. But let's go into our next guy here, you Darvish. Is uh, is Father Time finally knocking at his door, or is he going to turn a corner and have a big summer surge? Because he has a 484 ERA, but a 123 WHIP, which is pretty good, and still very strong skills with a 26% K rate, a decent 8% walk rate, which isn't amazing, but certainly not bad either. He also has fallen on some recent hard times here um, with a. Uh, 727 ERA in his last five that started with the start at New York at the Yankees. He bounced back with a gem against the Cubs, sputtered a little bit in Coors, which of course you give every, everyone a little pass for, but then Tampa Bay and the Giants got to him as well. So the schedule hasn't been kind. Is it just a, a schedule blip for Darvish or is there reason for concern given his age? No, I think, I mean, I think you Darvish is one of those guys that like, he's if if something's not working like he will figure it out um as long as he is healthy i have very little worries about you darvish like i think yep. he's gonna be fine you'll, you'll He'll just it. add a 14th pitch to exactly yeah go, well i'm not gonna use pitches uh 10 and 11 today i'm gonna <laughs> use pitches four and seven um and you know maybe that'll make it work uh yeah he he's he's gonna be fine like i mean yeah there are there are some like things that make you kind of go, hmm, like your walk mm-hmm. rates up, hormone rates up, but they're not up like an egregious amount. It's not like he's exactly. like, you know, walking the yard or giving up a ton of home runs. This is a little bit of up. He's also getting unlucky in Babip. He's getting unlucky in a strand rate. Um, 66% I think, left on yeah. base rate, AKA strand rate, which is 10 points lower than his career mark. Yeah, I think I think things will even out, and he will. Maybe he's not the guy that you thought would be like a low three ERA pitcher, um, but I mean, how many guys are like that? I mean, everybody's ERA and stuff went up this year, so um, he's probably a mid threes rest of the way. Uh, I think this is a buy low. I think if you're I was looking about at to say, low, you're gonna you're gonna seek seek him out in a trade league. Yeah, I think this, I think this is a guy that I would actively you know, try and, uh, and try to go after because I think you can get a little discount too. nothing crazy. Like you're not going to get him for, I don't know, somebody you picked up off of waivers that's hitting well or something, but Mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to have to pay a cost fully commensurate with Darvish's draft cost because people are going to see the 484 ERA and the recent struggles and and maybe open to trading and he's old. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, definitely in on him. I co-signed I everything you said with Darvish. I still why the hell the Padres signed him to a long-term deal. But, um... I, I love Darvish. That just seems egregious to, to sign a guy at 36 to that long. But hey, 
Good on him getting his money. I adore Darvish. He deserves I, every nickel I mean, he it gets. It feels like they want to make him a legacy player, but like, are people really going to think of the Padres when they think of you, Darvish? You know, I, st- I still twenty like years from now. Yeah, I do too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, like he's done. He's been multiple spots, but I'm just like, oh yeah, Texas Ranger. He's, he's going right, to be um, one of those guys where, like, you you know, like the whole like, hey, remember when you know. Um, I don't know. Vlad Guerrero Sr. was, you was know. Was it Oriole? Oriole. Yeah, exactly. So It's going to be Dodger and Cub are the two teams that people yeah. aren't going to remember for Darvish. He was a Dodger. Yeah, he got traded for one half season. And then Cubs, even though he had three years there, one of them was the pandemic season. And the other was 2018 when he only pitched 40 innings. So he only has the one full season with the Cubs. So um, I was telling you about that game, Immaculate Grid. Uh, that's, you know. One time when there's going to be done. Gonna, when there's going to be a Dodgers Cubs square, you got to put Darvish in there because that'll be watching, a low pick. If you're watching on YouTube and you see me look down every once in a while, it's because I'm studying the grid to try to figure out. Uh, you know, like I I want to like go with you know a uh, a home run cha- or uh, sorry a World Series champion that's Boston, but I'm like I'm trying to think of the most. I've got like, the ultimate. I'm not going to say it. I've got yeah. I've got the ultimate. I can't wait. Um, I, I, I I can't wait to to pull that one. I'll yeah. tell you. I'll tell you after the after the pod. But um, immaculategrid.com. It's an awesome game, and they just added this thing where you can see uh, the percentage rate of your picks. And now everyone's trying to go for lowest number and the most obscure mm-hmm. player possible. But you only have nine guesses to get the nine answers. So if you go too obscure and you miss. You've lost because the only way that anybody cares what you did is if you fill in all nine boxes. I don't care if you got four of the most obscure guys ever. If you didn't fill in the other five boxes, don't send me your grid. I don't want to see it. Uh, let's talk one more struggling ace here. Uh, his best pitcher in the universe, so there's nothing to talk about but Justin Verlander. He's pretty much a god. Let's move on. Talking about some rookie. No, I'm just kidding. We do have to talk a bit about Verlander. The 40 year old uh, looks a little mortal. You know, 450 ERA, 121 whip. That's not killing you, but he was he was a premium coming off a of Cy Young season, of course. Uh, despite being age forty, going over to the Mets, people are like, "Hey, you got to pay for him this year." Uh, only a couple wins in his nine starts. Obviously, everyone knows how I feel about Verlander. I'm I'm so in the tank for him. I'm gonna have a hard time being like, "Oh, I can't stand him." I do have him on my main event team. I'm not sitting him anywhere or anything. I'm not even super concerned, especially because it's been like four bad starts, five gems. It, it re- he really is kind of running a one-up, one-down sort of situation right now, uh, which those patterns don't really hold, but they're funny when they develop. Any concerns about Verlander for you right now in any format? I mean, yes, but I don't know what you're doing about it. Like, I mean, he, he's... Unactionable concerns, then. Yeah, like, I, I... He's, you know, in his 40s. Like, in we saw red flags even with how amazingly he pitched last year. And I did not see any red flags. All green. You won yeah. the Cy Young. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how, how's the uh, NL Cy Young? Oh, wait. We just talked about him in this section. So. We did. We did. The Cy Young curse this year. My goodness. I didn't yeah. even realize that both Cy Young guys are in here. That is tough. But if I agree. you left we, your draft with two Cy Young guys this year, you were feeling pretty damn good. Freaking dominated. I spent a little much on pitching, but look what I did. But I got two, I got two Cy's, bro. I'm going to be set there, so mm-hmm. don't worry about me. Uh, yeah, we don't have to belabor it with him. We still have a lot of uh, other stuff to cover because I agree with you. While there are some concerns with Verlander, it really isn't actionable especially on the heels or not on the heels but with a two-step upcoming milwaukee and san francisco at home absolutely no universe where i'm benching verlander 
Yeah. All right, let's talk about a couple rookie gems from Wednesday night. Taj Bradley, first quality start of his career, I think. Um, six innings, one run, eight strikeouts on three hits and no walks against Baltimore. But he came up, looked pretty good, got sent out, struggled at the minors too. I remember there was concerns like, oh God, did, you know, I, I spent on him in my main two. People were like, did we waste all this money on Taj Bradley? What is, what is Tampa Bay doing to us? But, might have been for the better because maybe they were setting it up to where, hey, have him in the minors for a little bit. That way, when we bring him back up, we can kind of turn him loose type of deal. I don't know. He had 133 innings last year, so there shouldn't be a major innings concern. He has 65 so far this year. I feel pretty good about Taj Bradley being there for the bulk of the rest of the year. I imagine a skip here and there, a seven-day rest in between, you know, that sort of stuff will crop up. But where are you currently on Bradley with his uh, with his near future outlook the next four to six weeks? Do you feel like he's a set it and forget it type? Or are you playing matchups still? What's up with Taj Bradley coming off his best start of the year? Keep this pitch mix going. Like, don't throw the fastball so much and uh, pitch a little backwards. Um, I, I was pretty impressed by what I saw. Uh, we had... Uh, a 40% um, CSW on his cutter, a 32% CSW on his curveball, a 46% CSW on the changeup. Mix those pitches in more and more. Don't be so reliant on your flat fastball. Um, and I think we got something potentially elite here. Um, I think, I mean, there's always the chance that he goes back to being what he has been recently, which is a guy who's inconsistent um, and gets hit around a little bit. But this is a really, really um, intriguing start from a young guy that feels like he's going from a thrower to a pitcher, and that's what you want to see. Yep, and the last three starts for Taj Bradley, 15% swinging strike rate, really coming up uh, and and starting to flex some of his stuff. And he'd had good swinging strike rate games um you know, prior to that, but seeing the three with double digits, 12, 18, and 16% is really nice for Taj Bradley in addition to that nice quality start. It happens, you know, kind of coincidental here, how many guys we're talking about that have a two-step next week, I guess because a lot of them pitched yesterday that puts them on track. Uh, Bradley is one of them as well at Arizona, at Seattle. Easy start for me. Um, and I do think, like I said earlier, good chance that he gets to the finish line without too much uh, adjusting or massaging of the schedule. I think, you know, Maybe around the All-Star break, he gets a longer break or something like that. But you should be able to trust Bradley uh, down the stretch here as long as he's pitching pretty well. What about Andrew Abbott with Cincinnati? Of course, they are the talk of the town right now, playing their asses off. But it's the hitting that's really garnering the attention, of course. But Abbott, you know, he hadn't allowed an earned run. But we all knew, like, hey, that's great and all, but these skills are not what we thought this guy was going to be. So then he finally allows some runs. He allowed three solo shots, in fact, to Colorado, uh, but has his best start, like easily, because all of a sudden you're talking about 10 strikeouts in the six innings of work. He's gone six innings in three of his four starts, five and two-thirds in the other. Uh, too many walks in the first three, nine total walks, zero here against Colorado. So we finally saw the big gem against Abbott. Is this the takeoff game, or is this just a solid outing from a you know, volatile rookie. Where, where do you stand with Andrew Abbott after four starts in the majors? Mm, I'm still unsure. Uh, 
I haven't watched the entire game. I only got to watch the first couple of innings um, mm-hmm. because I was I was working while I was uh, while the game was going on. So, uh, and I saw him give up the two home runs. I was like, uh oh, yeah, oh boy, it, here we go. Is it Andrew Abbott regression game? Um, but clearly, he finished really really strongly, um, and uh, and so that that is super encouraging. Uh, I don't know. I think there's. I mean, it's still Colorado on the road, uh, though Colorado has been on the road but for if- like. A week and a half, so and it was in Cincy, so it's like yeah. Coors Light, you know. Mm-hmm. I made that up. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> obviously I didn't. I've never heard that before. I kept uh, calling it Coors Junior when Coors Light was right there. <laughs> I think it was Henry who uh, who came up with that guy who commented earlier about mm-hmm. Miami. So yeah, with Abbott, you still have some concerns. I, I I get that. I think that that's fair. I don't think we're out of the woods based on you know beating up the Rockies or anything. I'm curious if you're attacking him for a, going for the pickup in the shallow formats because he's still only 67% at Yahoo. Like there's availability in shallow leagues for Abbott. Are you going to pick him up right now? Um, he doesn't have a two-step next week despite pitching yesterday. It looks like he's geared up for a, a trip to Baltimore only. So are you picking Abbott up in shallow formats? Yeah, I think you have to at this point. Like I think he's um... – I, I do think there are going to be struggles. I do worry about the command at times, but I, I, I mean, at this point, he should be rostered in every format. Like if, if he's still available on your waiver wire, you should be grabbing him. I agree. Um, you got to see what's up here with Abbott. He can be a game changer. Uh, there are concerns, but you got to kind of roll with it, see what's up. At least a team streamer right now. You don't have to use him for every start, but I would use him in Baltimore. That's no longer such a scary venue. They're a good team. I respect them as a club, but the park Camden used to scare the hell out of you. No longer does that. Let's do a little three up, three down. Last 30 days, Jake McCarthy has 13 stolen bases. Um, So, you know, he's come back up and kind of done the thing that he was supposed to do. That was the number one uh, part of his game that, we thought he was going to have and that does date back a little bit to april but if you just look since the call up actually no all 13 are within the within the call up range here uh he has a 785 ops in that time a 300 average what else what what uh, or excuse me what do we think of jake mccarthy now that he's come up and started stealing do we have some trust for jake mccarthy now i mean i think so i think i mean i think he's also been a little bit lucky but um it's kind of making up for the atrocious luck he had earlier on in the season. And they have given him a clear green light. Like he can steal mm-hmm. whenever he wants. Um, I, th- I think it was in yesterday's game. Cause I was watching gallon pitch. Um, like there was a three O count with two outs and he fucking went like, <laughs> like they are just letting it in a, in a, in a zero, zero ball game. Like, that you know three row count two outs they just let him go um and so like i think he could just steal a crap ton of bases and this is a really fun young team uh that is playing really really well i want a piece of that lineup right now so uh yeah i mean i can't imagine he's available in a ton of leagues but if he is like he's a guy that i i do believe in at least to get you a bunch of steals rest of the way i think the only concern i have is that team is so loaded that if he goes through another struggle uh he could find himself odd man out because alec thomas, alec is, thomas back. is back up yeah uh, dom fletcher uh did a little something when he first got there of course corbin carroll has one of the spots Gur- just, Guriel you know, has been really, really good this year um yep. 
So, like, there is always the risk that at some point he loses playing time or even gets sent back down if he does struggle. But I think for right now, you're just rolling with him. Yeah, you worry about that if it happens with McCarthy, but because he has such high volume of steals, 13 in, in a 30-game span, actually it's 24 games if we're being technical, 90 plate appearances, that sort of volume is, is just too rich. You know, it's like an Estuary Ruiz type of situation here. You really got to go for him. Totally agree with that. Um, Brendan Donovan is hitting 323 with 10 home, excuse me, four homers, not 10, four homers, two steals, a one-to-one strikeout to walk, and currently a 10-game hitting streak. That's where I got the 10. That's in the last 30 days for Brendan Donovan. Do you feel better about him now? Should he be getting picked up in some 12s, maybe even some 10s, given his roster flexibility? Brendan I mean, it, Donovan. Kind of, it kind of depends on what you need. I love him because he's he's just eligible everywhere. Like he mean, Deeply God because of yeah. the eligibility for Brendan Donovan. Literally he, everywhere. First, second, he, third, short, outfield. But even like in in shallower formats where you have like a really shallow bench, like he's the perfect guy to put on your bench because he covers everywhere. Like it's just, yes, you don't need that extra you know roster spot for a second hitter when you only have three reserves in like an ESPN or Yahoo league. Um, so I I think yes, he should be rostered in most formats. I also understand that he does not have a lot of fantasy juice, and so that's it, the tough part. Yeah, in your 10-team leagues, you may say, like, yeah, he can play everywhere, but when do I want him to play? Um, that I get. So uh, it really it, depends on what you're looking for because there's not going to be a ton of power. There's not going to be a ton of speed, but there's batting average um, and potentially a boatload of runs scored leading off for a Cardinals team that should be good at some point. Like, I know we keep saying this, but I, I still believe it. Um, no, I know. I know. I mean, they might get left in the dust by Cincinnati, who's been weirdly the hottest team in baseball in spite of my Giants winning 10 in a row. Dude. Um, uh, Both those clubs just absolutely rolling right now. Uh, With regards to Donovan, yeah, I mean, you talk about the fantasy heat. That is is part of the issue. And I think it might be that classic situation in 10s and 12s where he may belong on a team and it just might not be yours. So don't think you have to go get Donovan. You might already be totally fine where you don't have to have a guy like that but because of all the eligibility even with the lack of fantasy juice seven homers four steals total this year i still think there's some viability for somebody in those leagues because of all that flexibility yeah i agree and then our last uh, on the up is justin turner he is out of his gourd right now Nine homers, 31 ribbies, 32 runs, a 301 average since May 1st. Just one of the hottest hitters going now over the last nearly two months for Justin Turner. Uh, not Nothing about uh, you know picking him up or anything because I don't think – actually, I'll check, but I, he should not be available even in shallow formats. But is Justin Turner going to be like a summer god? He's actually 85% at Yahoo, which means there's some availability. That could be dead leagues or whatever, but just check your league. Obviously, Justin Turner needs to be rostered everywhere. Are you buying that that he's a stud again? Um, I mean, he kind of always is. He's ba- basically just yeah. at his level. Are we just getting more of the same from Turner at age 38 the rest of the way with the Red Sox? I want to say yes. Um, the only thing, and it's why I'm, I'm kind of stalling a little bit as I try to look up uh, exactly where he's been playing Okay, playing forty-seven games at DH, the vast majority at DH. So I want to see him. I want to see him continue to play DH. There had been talk that like 
he wasn't going to DH as much and he was going to start playing the field a little bit more, but that hasn't actually turned out to be much of anything. Um, so, I mean, he, he is playing the field somewhat, but the more he DHs, the more comfortable I feel like he's going to make it through the season because the issue with Justin Turner is always going down with an injury. Um, so I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I definitely uh, wouldn't even mind like, you know, buying high here. Um, yeah. I know, I know it's not something we talk about a lot, you know, usually we're like, Oh, you know, sell high, buy low. But I think this is an opportunity to buy high. Cause I don't think you have to pay very much for Justin Turner. Cause I think someone thinks that they're selling high. Yep. Cause he's 38. And yep. for the last 10 years, people think they've been selling high and getting out from under Justin Turner. And the only issue he ever has is health. And that's a prominent issue, right? He does not rack up 150 plus games a year or anything but when justin turner plays he is a g and mm -hmm. i i think we talked uh about how he might lose some of his pop and trade it for just gobs of singles and doubles off the uh, off the monster turns out we were wrong on that he is getting plenty of hits he's hitting 284 but the power's still there he's up 21 points in his iso up to a 181 from last year's 160 and he, oh, he's only two homers away from last year's entire total for the whole season of 532 at bats when he hit 13. so justin turner's been killing it pick him up where he is available but uh it, that's going to be very very scant uh, opportunities there three down we went three up for the hitters we're going to go three down with the pitchers your Giants are crushing, and things are going really well for them, but Anthony Del Scafani's kind of running the other way. When the team wasn't doing well, he was cooking. Now that the team's doing well, he's got a 683 ERA in his last 30 days and some skills to match with it, too. It's not just a unlucky ERA. Are you concerned about Del Scafani? Is he still team streamer viable? Are we cutting? What's the latest on Anthony Del Scafani uh, with a 438 ERA, 122 whip for the entire year, and then, like I said, 683 in the last 30 days on that ERA? All of a sudden, he can't locate anything. I just, I, and I don't trust him at all right now. Um, he could turn it around. <clears throat> He's been a guy in the past that uh, uh, has. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, no problem. I'm, cry I'm crying over here because I'm so upset about <laughs> yeah, Desco. Tony um, Disco got you feeling some type of yeah, way. Uh, apparently. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that uh, we've seen him go through bouts like this in the past and then turn out to be fine. But we've also seen him be injured quite a bit over the last few seasons. So mm -hmm. you do wonder if something like this is an injury. Um, you also wonder how long the Giants will keep rolling it out in the rotation if he continues to not be able to locate especially in the zone so um i am very very worried i would not be starting him pretty much anywhere at this point uh and i yeah. totally understand dropping him in the majority of formats if uh you know if you can't afford to just hold a guy like this it's arizona this weekend and then the mets next weekend or next yeah next weekend next saturday uh with descofani you'd even cut in a 15 you think I, I can make the argument. I think it's hard okay. because, you know, we go back to that list of guys we were just talking about. Exactly. But, like, because most of those guys, I would probably rather have Desko Farney. But, like, Wade Miley, yeah, I'm cutting him for Wade Miley. Yeah, I, I like Wade Miley. And, by the way, Desko Farney is the 79th starter for the year, SP79. Wade Miley, SP75. So, good, good name to throw out there. Uh, but I agree. I do think you can find a cut on Desko Farney in just about any format if the right guy is out there. And then maybe you revisit him down the line if he gets back on track. But 
Things are just going very, very rough right now. It's a 10% strikeout minus walk during this run with a 166 whip. So really, really rough. Luis Severino would kill for a 10% strikeout minus walk. Not really. He has a 9%. A single-digit strikeout minus walk is so bad. That's where Severino's at in the last 30 days. And we know that you talked about the history uh, of injuries with Descofani. Well, Severino's right there. So how concerned are you with that? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm always concerned because he's always injured. Um, uh, or he's been injured a lot, you know, in re- recent years. So, like, anytime we start seeing him start to struggle, we start to wonder if he's hurt again. That, that's, uh, I mean, that's our first thought. It, it, yeah. I just, you know. I, I mean, I love him as a pitcher, and, like, I, I, I still think he's got top 10 funny pitcher upside, but, like, I, I just, I don't know that we're ever going to see it again. Um, and so. Uh, that's sad. He's so good when he's on. He is. Um, but, like, I, how do you trust him right now? Like, it's just, I don't know. I just, I don't know what to do with him. Like, there's, I don't know that there's anything you can do. I don't think you're dropping him. Or, I mean. That's the tough part, right? Like, what's actionable here with Severino? I don't know. Is he just a team streamer right now? Because I don't think I'm cutting I think so. any, anywhere. Especially uh, Severino, when, when you're talking oh. about pitching in, what? He gets at Oakland next week. You can't do shit. Oh, yeah. You're just starting him. Texas this week, daily moves. You starting him. Texas on Friday. Okay, I'm not either. So sit Severino tomorrow if you can in daily leagues. But then at Oakland, you gotta. You just Texas gotta. is so good right now. I would question starting top Aces 30 only. starters. Yeah, like Aces it is, only. It's legitimately top 15, 20 pitchers. Yep. And then you Cream really of the have crop. to question. Yeah. I totally agree. Unless something's locked into a two-step with like an Oakland start or something I like mean, that. I mean, I benched Michael Kopech yesterday against them. And I don't blame you. And Kopech yeah. had been rolling. Um, I mean, I was you know. Yeah. Oh. Well, no, I mean, I do think that that was not an easy decision. It was he super had, easy. Oh, you, you, had no, you had no question about it? Yeah, no. Boy, I don't know, man, because he was, he was dealing I, – I don't have him anymore, right? I know, I but it's still Michael Kopech versus the best offense. And he wasn't great, by the way, so yeah. you, you made the right yeah. – he now has nine walks again in his last two starts. So the volatility of Kopech, I do not miss it. He had some Ooh. gems since I've cut him. Have at it, team that picked him up. You can have those. I'm good. Uh, Drew Smiley is our last on three down here. Uh, 4% strikeout minus walk in June. So the 397 ERA during that time isn't killing you, but I wonder if it's a little misleading. And this was coincidental that all three of these guys happen to have extensive injury histories. Yeah. But Smiley's another guy that the second you start to see some troubles, you're like, uh-oh, is he hurt? And I will point out that he did go five scoreless his last time out uh, earlier this week, but it was with five walks and four punchies. So are you nervous with some of the wobbly, uh, wobbly starts that we've seen out of smiley lately over his last five it's a 494 era that dates back to his last start in may and then like i said a four percent strikeout minus walk in the four june starts i mean the velocity is fine um i mean the last start was still pretty good uh you know like at some point i think he just falls apart and maybe we're starting to see the beginning of that um, because it's usually health related, so it's like, yeah, exactly. It, it's usually he, easy. He's gone at least five innings in each of his last uh four starts, and 
has only not gone five innings in three of his 15 starts this year. I mean, you ride until the, the wheels fall off on a guy like Smiley. Like, I don't I mean, you, I, I don't know that you really want to prematurely drop him because exactly. he's such a reliable guy um, in, in the places where you're, you're rostering him, which is probably 15 team mixed and deeper. Like, yep. Again, like, what are you dropping? Him for? I think he's so. been, I think he's been twelve viable for the bulk of the year, though, too. And maybe, maybe you downgrade Smiley to more of a um, team streamer in those formats. But yeah. I have a hard time getting rid of him before I really see the wheels fall off. Um, home to Philly next week for Smiley, yay or nay in twelves. I think it really depends on the rest of your roster. I think that's fair. It's too hard to say sweeping yes or no, but 15s, I think it's a full yes. Well, let's let's say it's a daily lineup sleep. So mm-hmm. you have the option whether or not to start him. I think I would start him. I, I'm leaning toward starting Smiley because, again, there are some struggles here, but I wonder if it's just a blip because he's not going shorter innings. You mentioned that he's still going five mm-hmm. plus in like every start except for one over his last eight. The five walks is, is a jump, but... We haven't seen that consistently. And he only gave up three hits, so he's almost like traded some of the walks for hits because he'd been giving up too many hits in the previous starts. So all in all, I think he's kind of working through it. I'm still pretty confident in him. I just wanted to check in and see how you feel about Drew Smiley because he's been a really nice pickup this year, just making sure you're still sticking with him. Uh, let's so. talk Let's talk some two-step guys next week. Now, we're not going through the whole list. I picked out a group of interesting ones here that I think would have some pickup potential across the many formats, and you tell me where you're picking them up. Obviously, some guys aren't going to be available in certain formats, particularly this guy right here, Tyler Wells, we're going to start with. He gets Cincy and Minnesota at home. He's 84% rostered at Yahoo, 100% at the NFBC. So we're talking 10-teamers with Tyler Wells. We know his primary issue is homers. So a pair of home starts certainly encourages me because of the way Baltimore's park plays now. Are you in on Tyler Wells for shallower formats? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, the home runs are a little bit troubling, but he does such a good job of not leaving men on, or not letting men get on base via the free pass that six um, percent walk. Yeah, I think he's he's fine, and like he, you know, he's given up quite a few less home runs at home. So mm-hmm. in spite of Cincinnati being like, since he scares me, team, yeah, it scares me, baseball, but I'm rocking if, with him. I think if this was in great American ballpark, I'd probably be saying no, but I think so too it's in Baltimore where he's only given up seven home runs uh, in 50 innings versus the 11 he's given up in 36 on the road. Um, I think he, I think when he's home, he's kind of a must start at this point. Tend to agree. Tyler Wells at home, you really love it. That park change has fit him beautifully because his biggest issue is homers. Everything else looks really good. If he could tamp down those homers, and he's showing that classic control versus command. He can put it in the zone. If he had better command in the zone, I do think Tyler Wells would be even better. But as it stands, easy start in 15s. I'm starting him this week in 12s and 10s as well. Garrett Whitlock, Miami and at Toronto, more available than I would have thought, uh, especially because he's been pitching better of late, 40% rostered at Yahoo. So this is a 12s and lower because he is uh, fully rostered in the 15 team format for the most part. Garrett Whitlock, Miami and at Toronto. How's that suiting you? Yeah, I mean, I think Whitlock is going to be moving closer and closer to a must start every week. I, I mean, Definitely I just, agree there. I think the stuff is just too good. Um, I know that the results haven't necessarily like been that of a guy who's a budding ace, but I think he's a budding ace. 
yeah, his, his stuff is nasty. Couldn't agree with you more. K's are going up. Six, seven, six, the last three. Six and a third, seven, seven are the innings counts the last three with a couple wins thrown in there. Um, definitely like him. Think he should be well higher than 40%. If Tyler Wells is 84% at Yahoo, uh, Garrett Whitlock being 40 is criminal. And that's nothing against Tyler Wells, but I do think Garrett Whitlock is better. So that needs to get moved up. Uh, Michael Kopech, you brought him up, and here he is now with a two-step setup next week at the Angels and home. Or excuse me, at the Angels and at Oakland. So it's a West Coast swing. He's 68% rostered at Yahoo, so has 12 and lower availability. Oakland, you love. Is it good enough to outweigh the the trip to the Angels? Ooh, because um, that is always scary. Like, I don't want to pick and choose, like, what starts we count and what starts we don't. But even... It does make your points easier to make. It does make my points easier. Since the first start of the season, which we were, you know, podcasting live during the Michael Kopech start. You can find that. that. So I'm just cutting off the first start of the season. He's got a 349 ERA, uh, a 123 whip, uh, 10 strikeouts per nine. Um in 77 and a third innings. Like, he has been pretty darn good most of get, the season. He got five homers in that game. Yeah. So, like, you you just cut that one game off uh, because clearly God hates it when I watch my guys pitch. Against um, your own against your against, own team, against, too. Against my own team. Um, clearly the best team in baseball. Uh, Very uh, clearly. I got in a lot of lot of trouble for the things that I said on the last last podcast you uh, said some so, things uh so i'm sorry and i would like to sleep in my own bed tonight um <laughs> no. <laughs> uh yeah i i think i am starting him I, I know the last two starts have got some major red flags so i understand like if you're in a again daily lineups league try to avoid uh, avoid fully the, avoid the angels angel if you're start, in a daily lineup league do not start michael kopech against the angels there's in, no in week, need in a weekly league i'm not turning down a two-start that includes oakland I'm just uh, same here as much as i am concerned with the nine walks and and the ups and downs that kopech's had you got to take on the angels to get to get the a's yeah. i'm with that jaime Berea uh could be his opponent in that first one because Berea gets the White Sox and Arizona both at home. We spoke favorably of him a few weeks back. It's rare to even get a two-step with the Angels. You have to be on the Monday start of a seven-game week when they're running their six-man, and that's exactly what we've got here with Berea. Are you here for the for the two-start? I think I probably should be, considering how well he's pitched this year. But now. It, the the innings counts uh, in as a starter. He's hit five three times, but then a four and a third. Um, so you know we're not seeing tons of innings. He has a four and a third. His he last went two. three. Oh no, he, that that was, was a relief, oh, relief start. Okay. Um, yeah. So he got three innings there, which was uh, kind of a weird. bonus setup here. Yeah, it was a yeah. little bit weird. Maybe it's based on the the. Uh, they had, five they had a game five week. game week and yep. six starters. So that's that's why because yeah. Detmers, Otani, Sandoval, Canning, and Anderson got the starts this week. So Berea got to do that uh, relief outing, and that's why he's going to set up for a two step here. I'm going for it, right? We, even if he only goes nine, five in one of them, four in the other, I think the ratios can be good. I can get a win. I I really like I, I really like Berea, so I'm I'm going for it. I, yeah, I think I mean I'm a little bit afraid of Arizona right now, but me too. Um, Baby snakes scare me. 
Chicago doesn't scare me really at all. So um, I think I'm going with it. But I, I also understand, like, there's not a lot of strikeout upside. And then you add in the fact that we don't know how deep he's going to go into yeah. either outing. And, like, that really limits the strikeout upside. So, like, I understand not wanting to do it. But especially if you're looking for ratio help, which I think a lot of people are, I think it makes a lot of sense. 12s and lower, it's harder because of that volume, too, because it yeah. could be eight eight or nine innings with Berea. So it's not a it's not a guarantee there. We're talking 15s would and deeper you, that Justin and I are co-signing. Would you start Kopech or Berea? Kopech. Yeah, I think Kopech. I get 20 Ks. Yeah. There's a, there's a chance we get 20 Ks. Mm-hmm. Uh, 19 against Oakland and one against the Angels. <laughs> uh, Paul Blackburn is going to face Kopech on the, the weekend because he's getting the, the White Sox start. He gets the Yankees and the White Sox, but both are at home. And Paul Blackburn, I think he gives them a third fantasy viable starter right now. J.P. Sears, Hogan Harris, and Paul Blackburn have made themselves deep league viable. Is there enough heat here, especially with the strikeout spike, to get you involved in some Pat, in some Paul Blackburn situation with the Yankees and White Sox at home? No. Not at all. Just flat no, even in deep leagues. I think I'd go for it in 15s. No. Okay. I think. I mean, do you want to expound? No. Okay. I, I, I don't believe this strikeout like, upside thing that all of a sudden Paul Black, like, he, he's still Paul Blackburn. Like, I mean, maybe What's I'm wrong. Paul Blackburn. It's a great first name. It's a nice foundation to work yeah. with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just don't buy it. Okay. Well, if I disappear, by the way, that we are getting a thunderstorm right now, and the power oh. didn't go out yesterday. So, um, if, if it'll it, be if a I quick ha- end to the episode. Yeah. If I happen to disappear and and the episode just that, that's what happened. But we do have four more starters. So let's or five more because I did put two on one line. Justin, you get your forty seventh chance to go for a Ranger Suarez two step because weather pushed it back, and so now after another gem on your bench. At the Cubs, home to Washington, Ranger Suarez, are you going to do it? You know, this is funny because I'm totally going to do it. And you know he's going to get thrashed. He's dead. He's dead, yeah. Because <laughs> um, it makes zero sense. But, I, I mean, well, Washington has been pretty good against lefties this year. They have not been good against them lately. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think you have to with the way Suarez is pitched. Um, and the matchups, I think you've got to go for it. And yeah, I'm going to get snake bitten. Yeah, I, I, I think you have to, he's been Mm -hmm. amazing. I understood why you were nervous this week. Um, although it was a two start setup, it was, it was Braves Mets. He did well against the Braves. The postponement pushes him off the Mets and then to the Cubs, white, white, uh, not Washington, white Sox, Washington. And I just think that. Yeah, you have to. Sorry if you have Ranger Suarez. Justin's malfeasance is what's going to get you burned. The baseball gods are going to punish Justin, and you might get caught up in that punishment, but I still think you have to start him. What about old Dick Mountain? San Diego and Milwaukee, both at home for Rich Hill. Uh, Is that enough to go for it? It could be like a Berea situation where you might only get eight, nine innings uh, because he's always you know, uh, seemingly on potentially going to go three or four in a start but is that going to be enough he hasn't done that very much this year i will add by the way in fairness to to rich hill as i disparage his name he's only gone sub five twice so you're probably going to get a couple five and dives but uh you know handful of sixes a seven inning outing what do you think of rich hill because it's a 434 era is he startable in deeper formats with a two-step uh 
I mean, the I mean, the re- one of the reasons why like he has gone at least five is because Pittsburgh's like we don't care what happens, just go. Like <laughs> he's forty three. They're not playing for the know, future. Yeah, we're, we're like we're gonna we're we're not gonna soak up the bullpen or we're not gonna like, hurt the bullpen because you have gotten batted around. Um, that that being said, like Milwaukee is the worst team in baseball versus left hand pitching, and the Padres are one of the better ones. Um, so it's kind of a risk reward here. And we saw him like not have a great start versus Milwaukee. It wasn't a bad start, but it wasn't a great start either versus Milwaukee last time out. So I think there's a lot of risk, um, here. I probably wouldn't do it, but I can understand going, well, Milwaukee's worst team in baseball versus lefties. Let's, let's give it a ride. Um, I just think that San Diego one has the potential to really crush him. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a little. It was is a little nerve wracking there. Um, hang on one second. <laughs> oh, that was you. I thought the door just opened. Scared the crap out of me. Sorry, I didn't see Jen. I didn't see Jen go open the door, and I heard the door open, and I was like, "It was God." Well, we've had issues where that door like blows open. And I'm like, what the hell? So I, when I heard the rain, sorry, sorry for the freak out there. You can leave that I'm in if you want. I'm keeping this in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can leave that in. But anyway, Rich Hill, I would start him in 15s. Uh, he's fringe in 12s, probably not going to do that. But if I have to, I'm not totally against it. Uh, Johnny Brito returned. Remember, he was a little flavor of the month early in the season. That quickly turned sour. But a decent outing last time out, and now he has at Oakland and at St. Louis. Is that enough to get you on the Johnny Brito train? Mm. Five and two I mean, thirds scoreless against Seattle. Two hits, a walk. I think it strikeouts. is. I mean, like you don't really get much better two step than this, especially both of them away from Yankee Stadium and good yeah, parks so. to boot. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, like yeah, twelves. Twelves. You're gonna start. You're gonna go for Brito because. Uh, and by say by start, I, I mean I you, can you also got to pick him up. Yeah, I can make the argument. Um, yeah, and so 15s. I think he's going to be a hot ticket item this weekend. Um, as some, you know, if you can't afford Gavin Williams in your in your low on Fab, go for Johnny Brito. Excuse me. And then we'll end with Milwaukee. They have two guys going to Colin Ray and Julio Tehran at at the Mets and at Pittsburgh. These are classic streamer types, and I'm really only thinking that we're talking 15 teamers here. But both guys have shown some things this year, at least to have some streamer viability, particularly. Uh, Tehran lately just kind of keeps going. I think just uh, our friend Nick Pollock would call this a uh, Jason Vargas situation, a Vargas rule, if you will, where it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you keep starting the guy because he's dominating. What do you think of Colin Ray and Tehran? Uh, Tehran for sure. Like, I mean, he definitely had some moments in yesterday's game, which I, I did watch his entire start, um, where uh, like he could not find the zone. Like, he, he walked a bunch of guys, but he would always come back and just deliver, like, a perfect changeup or, like, like the right pitch to, like, get himself out of trouble. And, mm-hmm. um, like, this is one of the best we've ever seen Julio Tehran, and that's so weird to say considering the, the ups and downs of this guy's career. But, um, okay, so, like, in my 30-team um, 100-man roster league, I picked up Tehran, uh, you know, in the off season as like, uh, here's a spec play. Like I'm, you know, get him at league minimum and stuff. Um, and I just traded him. I flipped him for a prospect and Tyler, like a buy low on Tyler Anderson. 
Um, and I'm regretting it right now. Like, I'm regretting moving Julio Tehran. Like, uh, it's insane. I do think there are going to be some bumpy days down the that, road. That is why. How much could I have won from you if I told you, hey, Justin, at some point this year, you're going to be bumming out that you sold Julio <laughs> Tehran for Tyler Anderson, who was a top 15 pitcher last year. Um yeah, uh, Colin Ray, I don't trust at all. Um, I just think his stuff is just too hittable. I, I tend um, to agree. But uh, Tehran, like, I think Tehran, I know the wheels are going to fall off. And like you said, Nick calls this a Vargas rule um, from, from Jason Vargas, uh, you know, who had that amazing 2017 or whatever it was. Um, and then it just all fell apart all of a sudden. Like, I feel like it's going to fall apart at some point for Tehran, but I'm willing to stick around until it does. Yeah, and I might not fully jump off board at the first bad start either, depending on the makeup of that start for Tehran. I will also freely admit that I've been in the bag for Tehran since he was a prospect with Atlanta. I've always just kind of had a soft spot for him. Fully grant that these are light skills, though. 8% swinging strike, 12% strikeout minus walk. Um as, as I look deeper, maybe I will jump off at the first sign of trouble, but I'm going to ride this lightning right now. It's a two-step. I'm going to take a shot at the Mets, at Pittsburgh, two decent parks. Neither offense is, is terrifying me right now, so I'll go yes on Tehran, no on Ray. And that'll be it. Um, all the other two steps, uh, I mean, there's, there are still some other guys that might have difficult decisions, but if you have a question about them, throw one in the, in the comments or hit us up on Twitter, at Spore and at Justin Mason, FWFB. Justin, I appreciate you accommodating me uh, with the schedule change. I also know that you're going to have mouth surgery. So if the pain starts to hurt too much, just think of the fact, fact that you are third in the overall of the auction championship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that will make things better. Um, I don't that know that can, it's going to numb, uh, you know, the pain. Uh, yeah, oral surgery. But yeah, it might not. Uh, it definitely will. Uh, it definitely makes my heart full. And um, I'm like literally like... This, it's ridiculous because we're we're in June. I know that things are going to change drastically. I was in first place at this point in our main event last year, and I think I'm pretty sure I finished fifteenth. Um, so uh, <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, you were up pretty high, and then I was pretty excited then too. Yes, uh, but I am literally checking every like ten minutes the standing so I can take the screenshot because I'm only thirty points away or less than thirty points away from like the number one spot in the overall. So like there will be a screenshot grabbed if at some point I do jump up there. Um, I don't know if I have any like starting pitchers going today or anything like that. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. It's, it's nice to be leading my league in, as opposed to not. So, um, but it's, it's time to grind. Like if you, this is the time of the year where other people start to check out. And yes. you should not check out. I don't care football if you're in the last place in your yeah. Football's coming. Um, people will start to check out. People will give up on their teams if they're not doing well. And you can gain a lot of points in the standings by just staying vigilant. So please, please, please do not give up on on your leagues, even if unless you're in my league, well. you can give up if you're in yes, my league. Absolutely. That's fine. If you are on the sleeper in the bus, head to head Yahoo league, please give up. Free to Help give me up. out. I yeah. don't want to finish last. I've been struggling yeah. in that league. Um, 
I will point out it's not nearly as cool as your thing, but I'm up to eighth in my league. And for those that don't know, I was in dead last all April, uh, only in 14th for all of May. So I've been grinding my way, finally making some moves. It's a little fluid to hit eighth. Like I kind of peaked last night. It's like there's some of those sketchy points where I could fall right back down to 10th today. But happy to be eighth. It's a, it's a season high for me. I didn't even have like one day in the first week where I was above 13th. So I'm grinding too. And I do agree, even if you're in last right now, unless your team is just like completely ravaged by injuries and there's like no way forward, there are some teams that are lost cause, so let's be real. But if it's just underperformance right now and you still got your fab, keep playing. There are so many points to be gained. Things will move. We are not even halfway through the season. We're not even yeah. halfway. So keep grinding. But anyway, Justin, I hope you have a good weekend. Given the mouse surgery situation, is there going to be a Sunday yet? I have Ryan Bloomfield from Baseball HQ scheduled for uh, Sunday. So even if I can barely talk, I can at least pose a question and throw it to Jason. Yeah, let uh, let those two go. I think that. And as long as the rat issue does not become a major issue. But these are really tricky rats um, that apparently are really good at getting peanut butter off of the trap without setting off the trap. So this is. I got one the first day and have. (laughs) You're in a war. Yeah, I've had empty traps every morning. Um, Thanks for the treats, idiot. I feel bad for my neighbors right now, even though I'm sure my neighbors are partially responsible for this. But um, because I I get up, you know, early up in the morning and I go check the traps first thing and I'm fucking swearing at like six o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Like, like, God damn it. How do these these things like licking the the (laughs) peanut butter off the traps and not like... I imagine yeah. you like Yosemite Sam out there. These varmints yeah. just losing your mind. Don't we have a friend who's like in pest control? Is Dusty in pest control? No, he's in uh, hospitality. Somebody's in. If you're if, in pest, you're control, pest control and you have some good advice for me to get rid of these goddamn rats, uh, I'd say call the A's, but they didn't get it figured out either with the no, possum in there. No, they they just moved to Vegas. Is that what yeah. I have to do? Oh yeah, I'll you just got to move to Vegas. Yeah, yeah I mean, but then you got to deal. I don't know if Danielle and the kids are going to want to go to Vegas with me, but like snakes and like scorpion, you got other things to deal with there. So we don't want any of that. Anyway, I hope you have a great weekend. Good luck with the mouse surgery. That's always a pain in the ass, but, uh, and good luck in your auction championship. Talk to you on Monday. Take it easy.